Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about Tim Burton's 1994 film, Ed Wood. And to help me do that, I'm joined once again by my friend, Ken Walker. Ken, how you doing, buddy? Doing real good, my friend. How about you? Good, good. I'm really excited for that one. I say I'm excited every time, and I do mean it, but I'm really excited for this one. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, actually thinking, like, this is really great for us to talk about because you know, when we talked about our top five movies, we both talked about how we're both big movie guys and we both wanted to make movies. And this is like my favorite movie about movie making. It's one of the best. And uh, it makes me think I should have stayed in the filmmaking game because if Ed Wood should yes. make it, well, make it is questionable, but we'll get into that. But <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he has a legacy. Um, but no, this is a fun one. I didn't watch it in a long time, so I'm excited to get into it. Um but uh, yeah, before we do that, um, so it's been a while since we've actually recorded a show because we did both our top fives before the new year. I did the show with Lindsay before the new year, and those have all come out. But now we're kind of current on <laughs> uh, the week of. So, And we actually have not talked about anything we've watched lately. So did you have anything uh, good or interesting you wanted to bring up? Because we really have not talked about people. I know we talk all the time, but it's like we haven't talked about movies lately. So um, Yeah, we, mo- we, most, we mostly save the movies for this. Um, yeah, we mostly talk about nonsense on the phone. That's mostly what yeah. our phone conversations consist of. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've said that if people like listened in on our phone calls, people would be like, what are these two lunatics fucking talking about? <laughs> um, no, but... Um, no, my fiance, she likes uh, more, you know, family, kid-friendly movies. So she introduced me to a little movie called Hotel for Dogs. And uh, <laughs> it's not it's not my typical, but it, it was fun. It's cute. How about you, my friend? That'll be our next episode on Hotel for Dogs. Oh, of course, uh, of course. It's got to be it's got to be a whole episode. Um, well, no, that's fine. I, I was just curious. So I watched a couple of things, um, a couple of 2020 movies I'd wanted to catch up on. Um, watched a movie called Spontaneous uh, from last year. Did you hear about, have you heard about this movie? No, I haven't. It's it was good. It was uh, a lot of people were kind of buzzing about it last year. Um, I don't think it got. I mean, theater releases were, were weird last year anyway, but uh, it just kind of hit um, epics like a streaming service. And I was like, oh, I can watch that. I have that, and um, it's good. It's basically a movie about uh, two teenagers uh, played by Catherine Langford and Charlie Plummer. Uh, they play this teen couple who are falling in love amidst this epidemic of people who are spontaneously exploding at their high school. So oh. it's already kind of a weird, yeah, it's already kind of a weird premise. It's, it's, it's a very intriguing premise. And I was like, I want to see that movie. Well, you know, um, if people, if this is a pandemic of people spontaneously exploding, it makes our situation look not so bad. True. I did feel a lot better watching this. I was like, well, at least that, that's not happening. But it's, it's, it's only happening to, I believe, uh, like the high school seniors in the, in the school. And like, it, it, it does kind of feel weirdly timely for the pandemic because it's all people like not trusting each other and not wanting to get mm-hmm. near each other and no one knows what's going on. And, you know, it's first, it's like, what's, why is this happening? Um, it's, it's good. I don't think I liked it as a lot of people I saw rec- who recommended it, but I did like it. The dialogue kind of gets a little too like cutesy for me in some spots. It, I had flashbacks to like Diablo Cody stuff and I don't really mm-hmm. like her stuff <laughs> like Juno type dialogue. And, mm-hmm. um, but I got past that, and uh, it's it is very charming and very sweet. It, it takes this turn on like the back half where it um, it goes to, like a whole other level. I feel like because it kind of becomes more about like how people deal with grief and about survivor's oh. guilt, and wow. it was really good. And yeah, it, it it kind of went to like a whole other level for me at that point. So I really did like it by the end of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I recommend people check that one out. Um, uh, Matt, I actually have to yeah. say before. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but um. Uh, I'm not sure if I told you about this. I wrote an article a few months ago because I learned apparently, um, did you, 
I may have told you about this. Apparently, people who are big fans of like apocalyptic horror movies apparently are like doing better these days. Like they're not as stressed out as other people. <laughs> like during oh, the yeah. pandemic. I remember you. I think we talked about that. And uh, yeah, I know. I watch it. I've watched horror movies during the pandemic and been like, oh, things could be worse. You know? Yeah. It's at like... least there's no zombies or alien invaders. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because at first. I feel like I went through phases during 2020, like distinct phases of what I was watching. I do kind of feel like at first I kind of backed away from horror um, and I was watching a lot of action movies. I don't know what that says or means. Escapism. But yeah, it's, it's some form of escapism. I'm like, oh, we can just kick our problems away. Uh, but, um, but yeah, then I was watching horror stuff again and I was like, oh, things could be worse. Um, right, but right. no, that's kind of how spontaneous it is. Like, oh, this, this could be a lot worse if we were all blowing up. Um, <laughs> spontaneously but no it's good it's a interesting little movie uh, i did like it um the only thing i wanted to mention i watched this documentary uh that i want to see for a while called the last blockbuster oh it's, in oregon yes in bend oregon there's the last blockbuster and it i thought it was okay because i liked half of it because half the movie is focused on the woman who runs that last last blockbuster mm-hmm. um I think her name's Sandy. I thought I wrote it down. I did not write it down my notes. I'm upset. Uh, this woman named Sandy, who's uh, it's she's so likable and she's like an underdog. You root for her, uh, trying yeah. to keep the store going. Um, and her story is really interesting. And then the other half is like the story of Blockbuster's rise and fall, which was not oh, okay. as interesting. Uh, it's a lot of like celebrity talking heads and comedians who I didn't think added very much to anything. Um, and yeah, I wish it was more focused on her story. Honestly, it is interesting how that it goes from a story about this huge corporation, this huge chain that was everywhere to being just about one small business. Like how, yeah, <laughs> how Blockbuster how it's, transformed. How um, it's done that. Yeah. And um, I think, I'm not sure if when, when this documentary came out. Just but, last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my understanding is like in 2020, somehow they decided to turn that Blockbuster into an Airbnb apparently. I'd heard about that. Yeah, that, is, that doesn't come up in the documentary. I think they were already done before that part happened. But I was like, didn't they turn this place into an Airbnb? I mean, they do show them doing all kinds of things to make money. Like, at one point, they get um, uh, props. Like, so, okay, this is... This, so, uh, John Oliver, I believe, had done a thing on his show when there were still, like, four blockbusters left. And he bought a bunch of Russell Crowe... Russell Crowe was auctioning off all his this. stuff. Yeah. All his stuff from his movie. So they... They've got, got a little, this, like, podium, like, dedicated to Russell Crowe. Yeah, he bought all these like props from Russell Crowe and sent them to these blockbusters. And when those blockbusters folded, they sent her some of the stuff. So she had like this display of Russell Crowe merchandise. And I feel like there was other stuff they were trying. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had been in Airbnb. But they seem like a really big um, like tourist. I don't know how big, but it seemed like people do come there from very far away to see this place. Uh we're on their side of the country, Bend, Oregon. So I don't think I'll make it out yeah. there anytime soon. But um, well, you know, I, um, yeah, I, 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 I've. <laughs> I've brought him up before, but, you know, James Rolfe of Cinema Massacre, he's, he lives, I believe, in Pennsylvania, and they, they made it out to Oregon, but they were for, like, a con or something. Right, so right. They, they had a reason to already be there. And I, the last thing I was going to say about that is I was watching this the whole time, thinking about Blockbuster, and they don't go into it too much, but am I the only one, when I was a kid, who hated Blockbuster? <laughs> like, I know oh, things are different goodness. now, but my family literally voided blockbuster till the very end when nobody else was left standing like we went to every so you were more hollywood video family video even smaller than that but it was like so hollywood video was like mom and pop shops mom and pop shops like we we uh had one 
right near us. This was also the time when um, they were still renting uh, videos in the grocery store, which <laughs> which I had a flashback to and was like, I forgot about that completely. And there were all these mom and pop shops and they just shut down one by one. And eventually we ended up in Hollywood video, but we still hated Blockbuster. Everybody I knew hated Blockbuster. Well, so I now gotta I think also uh -huh. acknowledge you are, I think, five years older than me. So mm -hmm. my, my nostalgic memories are for Blockbuster. And that's what I think happens. And I think people might be looking at it through uh, rose colored glasses where it's like because right. they were the last uh, game, you know, the last game in town for video rental. It's like we mm -hmm. kind of romanticized Blockbuster. But um, I mean, I even done it. I've done it sometimes where I'm yeah, like, well, oh, yeah. for <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there uh no i mean i've done it to blockbuster where i'm like but then i then i stop and think and i go wait a minute i hated blockbuster what am i doing <laughs> like well i've almost bought like a blockbuster shirt at target i'm like wait 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 what? I, I didn't like blockbuster what am i doing <laughs> um no i um you know i grew up mostly with blockbuster but you know i'm not i may have mentioned it on this show before but back when i was uh a young kid i would often uh, spent weekends over at my grandfather's house and he had a Hollywood video right down the road. And that was like our go-to and yeah, that those are like some of my best memories with my grandfather. Yeah. I mean, I liked Hollywood video, uh, much more than blockbuster <laughs> blockbuster was like the enemy because they were like the corporate bully and they had the late fee policy mm -hmm. everybody hated and they censored movies and they, I think wouldn't carry yeah. some stuff like, they were the bad guys. They killed the mom and pop stores. You know, it was like, so I just think it's funny that we've kind of all, um, uh, gotten this nostalgia for blockbuster, which I can understand because, you know, they are like the, the biggest everyone remembers them and video stores yeah. have been dead for a very long time now for the most part. And I just also, saw, if, um, I, if I, Oh, I'm sorry. But if I, if, if I also remember correctly, Hollywood video had a lot more like less mainstream stuff. Like you go to blockbuster and you would see, speed and you know uh mission impossible and like the latest all, all like the latest stuff that was coming out whereas like hollywood video i would go with my grandfather and big surprise most of what i rented was the classic universal monster tapes as well as like <laughs> the godzilla kaiju movies and that was mostly you, you could find those stuff at hollywood video more i, I felt they had a better selection honestly because when i had to go to blockbuster for the last like year or two they were even around uh that i remember thinking like the selection just wasn't as good um so yeah. yeah i just thought that was interesting i think the only guy that pushes back on blockbuster in the whole documentary is lloyd kaufman from trauma uh, who they, they, they don't talk to him much but he he kind of shits all over them well that's <laughs> like, probably why they didn't talk to him much <laughs> they were like get I out of here imagine lloyd kaufman being like oh fuck blockbuster they can suck my balls or go into or, yeah <laughs> or he could like go into like really graphic territory <laughs> they they uh they don't really shy away from mistakes blockbuster made but I, it's not just the it's not it's just like a whole thing of everyone kind of doing this to blockbuster and like i mean hell i think i applied for a job at blockbuster so i'm not like Me some too. you know like i'm above blockbuster but um also blockbuster yeah, just... got desperate near the end because they like put forth a policy saying like if you don't like the movie you can uh, give it back in like full full refund. It's just like, well, you could just lie and say you didn't like the movie. <laughs> well, and they had their whole thing at the very end when they were like, no more late fees, which I think came out to really kill them in the end. But uh, yes. I mean, they go into all of it. But I mean, it's interesting. I just kind of wish it was more focused on that woman who's running the last blockbuster because that's a more interesting story to me. But <laughs> um, also, but, all mm -hmm. the YouTube videos I've seen, uh, everyone who goes to that blockbuster, they all say the same the same thing. It still smells the same. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, everyone said that in the movie, too. Because um, then even even though I've t said all this after the movie, I thought, can I get a blockbuster scented candle? Because I just want that. 
yeah. at Aroma again. Um, hard to find. But uh, but yeah, so that's the last blockbuster. that I just rented that on VOD. It's not streaming anywhere. Um, but yeah, uh, so I have nothing else to talk about uh, that in that regard. So how about we get into Ed Wood here? And I... Uh, oh, I well, will start real quick. So you, I'm sorry, you you haven't gotten a chance to watch Soul yet? I did watch Soul. I forgot oh. I had not mentioned it on this program. <laughs> oh, what uh, you think? I really liked Soul. I'd, oh, yeah, yeah, I, we brought that up, and then I, I don't think we talked about it. I think um, it's the best Pixar movie in a while. It is. It's, uh, it's really good. I was shocked at how... Um, not made for kids it seemed like not like it's inappropriate but it's like how the ideas and the themes in that movie are just seem like they'd be so above most kids heads because most you know you have to like live a life and yeah it's about just you know recognizing what life's about and the journey it is yeah i mean yeah it's it's really good i was pretty blown away by it um i also was really weird here we talked about this or not that it looked like the movie was almost two hours long when I first played it. And then there were 20 minutes of credits at the end. Oh, yeah. It's a very bizarre phenomenon I've been noticing. Like, with, especially Disney Plus, there's these insanely long credits after things on that. And I don't know what's going on, but I was like, it ended at like an hour 30. I was like, how does it have 20 minutes left? And I said, oh, no, it's just all credits. I Kelsey was... and I tried skipping through some of the credits to see if we could like see like what Joe does with his life now or like how 22 lives her life. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I did think it, I did think it kind of ended eru- abruptly. I don't want to go into like spoilers, yeah. but um, yeah, I, that was the only thing I could think that I really was like a negative, uh, a negative for me. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I actually kind of want to watch it again after <laughs> I was thinking about it more. But um, it was it was really great. Yeah, I really liked it. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, so let's jump into Ed Wood here, which I think we came about this episode by. So scientific this was. I think Ken ran through his DVDs one day on the phone with me, and I said, "Ed Wood sounds good. Let's do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm really glad we did it like that because I really enjoyed this. So I will start by asking you your kind of your um, overall thoughts, and if you remember kind of the first time you saw this movie. Um. So I saw this movie when I was, you know, big shock once again, like getting into like when I would really started getting into movies, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, around there. And, um, you know, I was just looking up reviews of it and, you know, I was really liking Tim Burton at the time, even though by that point, Tim Burton was starting to fall from grace, but I wasn't accepting that because this was around (laughs) the time, uh, this was like right before his Alice in Wonderland came out. Oh, so it was, it was the dark ages. (laughs) I Um, forgot about that actually. (laughs) But, um, no, but I was, you know, and you know, I was loving like movies. I was loving the idea of getting into the movie business and so, and this was just a movie that I loved because it was about an artist who, you know, pursues his art and, and, you know, doesn't let, you know, the, the suits control him. He, he wants to tell his stories the way he wants to tell them. So yeah, that's, um, that's about when I first got into it. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was a long time ago. I think I was a teenager and I want to say that it's in one of Roger Ebert's great movie books. I may be wrong about mm-hmm. that. I definitely feel like something Roger Ebert had written about this movie made me really want to see it. Cause I remember it was a time I was seeking out like things that were considered classics. And I remember renting this one. Um, and I remember liking it, but I don't think I really fully appreciated it. Like, and I don't think I've seen it since then. So it's probably been like 15 plus years and, uh, watching it this time feel like I loved it. I'm going to say like, I'll just tell people oh, awesome. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I really was like, why have I not rewatched this in all this time? Um, 
I really appreciate it even more. It's it's fantastic. Um, I really so, love it. So fucking good. We'll talk about the performances, but because that's that's some of the best parts of this movie I want to talk about. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, what 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 would you like to tackle first? Uh, so <laughs> I do want to talk about that. I feel like this is a movie that you are only allowed to make for eighteen million dollars when you've made two gigantic, huge hit Batman movies. This is a niche, <laughs> niche. <laughs> niche movie <laughs> and especially in 1994 i mean it's it'd be niche now but in exactly. 1994 i can't even imagine i don't well, i was too young so i don't know what the public pers- i don't know what the public knowledge of ed wood was yeah, but well because you know because what was it just three years ago I th- or no uh 2017 was the disaster artist right uh, yeah 17 or 18 i can't remember yeah and that was considered a real niche thing to make a movie of <laughs> and you know we're in the age of the internet where you know everyone can Pretty much everyone who's into movies knows about The Room and Tommy Wiseau and all that. But that was still considered a niche thing to make a major motion picture of. In 1994, who was who was even <laughs> thinking about Ed Wood? I don't think a lot of people were. I, I saw that in like 1980, early 80s, some some uh, somebody had named Ed Wood the worst director of all time. Yeah, uh, he, made a, he wrote a book, I think, called The Golden Turkey Awards. That's what I, I think it was like that. And, um, they... and he was named worst director and plan <laughs> nine from outer space was worst movie ever made or something. So I feel like that raises profile a little bit, but this is still pre-internet era. Like there was a cult around Tommy was and things like that. Like that, there was a known like online people know about him, but like in 94 Ed Wood, I don't know. <laughs> like if they thought Ed Wood or Tim Burton could just sell a movie with his name, with Johnny Depp and the rest of the cast. But, um, also being in black and white, that's, uh, that's a bold choice. And I think I read that it got him. He had to leave uh, Paramount because they wouldn't let him make it in black and white, which is how he ended up at a uh, touchdown, Touch- which is like a sub of it, Disney. So yeah. Owned by Disney. I know. Um, yeah. Well, it was a risky choice to go with black and white, but you know, it, it fits, you know, the story of what you're telling and it is gorgeous cinematography in this oh, movie. Yes. It looks so good. I was really appreciating that this time too. Especially um, one scene that I think really, it has just gorgeous lighting. I mean, and it's a depressing scene. It's when, uh, Ed goes to Bella Lugosi's house and, um, he's planning to kill himself and he's holding the gun and just the lighting in that scene is so dark and foreboding and it's just gorgeously shot. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of great stuff. In there. I think I appreciate the black and white more this time. Cause, uh, I feel like, I feel like I had a weird um, allergy to black and white stuff when I was younger. Um, I don't know why it was a stupid mm. hangup. I've talked about my stupid teenage hangups, but um, man, it's a good looking movie. And uh, it's, there's, there's so many great shots that I love. And I just was like, I, well, for, I'll, I'll go back to what you said about maybe your favorite movie about filmmaking. I, I think it is my favorite movie about filmmaking too. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely up there. Cause I really love it. Um, it's just, so damn uh positive and so (laughs) like yeah yeah i mean it's just fantastic i feel like we've just started off completely gushing about this thing but (laughs) um i mean there's just so much to love about it i mean it's but it's one of those things that i imagine it was hard to reel people in in 1984 because it it bombed as i don't think we said that it oh my god it (laughs) even when martin landau accepted his oscar for uh playing bella lugosi which i want to I want to eventually talk about that because you know I love that. Um, <laughs> but it was his Oscar or the Golden Globe for it. He was saying like, well, thank you to the to the Academy. I think you're the entire people that went to go see the movie. So thank you. 
because <laughs> yeah the budget oh. i think was 18 million and it made like 5.9 million yeah it's rough um probably could have been expected but i mean it's a gamble but it's like i'm glad they let him make the movie because uh yeah i'm just so glad it exists because such a such a unique interesting thing that it's it is kind of hard to believe it got made honestly even though tim burton was so successful at that time but um yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up uh, Martin Landau because I just want to jump into that immediately because he's so oh, yeah. good in this movie. <laughs> he's, I'm so glad he won the Oscar. Um, him... Well, does does it not bother you because he won the Oscar and you know who else was nominated that same year for Best Supporting Actor? I think it was Sam Jackson, wasn't it? Samuel L. Jackson for Pulp Fiction. Listen, I listen. Rewatching Ed Wood this time, I, you got to give it to him. I think I, put I him, think I, so too. I, I I love Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction, but. This this performance is so fantastic. And it's funny um, because from what I was reading, I think a little bit of stuff you told me that that his performance or the way not his performance, but the way they kind of wrote Bela Lugosi was not quite accurate to life. <laughs> um, if you could speak on more of I don't know if you I know more about the the things that were that they changed yeah. or weren't true about Bela Lugosi's actual life compared to the movie. <laughs> so. Tragically, yeah, Bela Lugosi was a morphine addict at this point. He, you know, because he was not doing well financially. No one wanted him anymore. And he just wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't making the money acting. So he he took to drug use just to deal with life. However, his life was not quite as tragic as they made it out to be in the movie because he was married. He was married and he had his son, Bela Lugosi Jr., which I think I went on record I think I've mentioned it on this show before. Maybe when we talked about Dracula, the Bela yeah, yeah, Lugosi so. Jr. Yeah, is a lawyer for actors to make sure the studios don't screw them over. <laughs> you know, sort of in memory of his father. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, he was a drug addict near the end of his life. And, you know, he was just doing these movies with Ed Wood. And he, he was a friend of Ed Wood's. But really, he was mostly doing it because he needed the money. Right, right. Um, and I think Bela Lugosi Jr. also, I saw the quote that that one thing he didn't like was that they had him swearing so much because he said my dad didn't swear at yeah. all, I think. Uh, yeah. But then in you fact, missed... Dolores Fuller, Ed Wood's uh-huh. first girlfriend in the movie, she was not a fan of this movie and because she didn't like how she was portrayed by Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, and she also went on record that Bela Lugosi did not have such a foul mouth. <laughs> but then you would miss out on great scenes like when he when they have to shoot the uh, octopus in the, the lake and he says, let's shoot this fucker. And oh, yeah, he's just like, like God damn, it's cold. <laughs> Fuck you, you come out here. <laughs> um, and what all the stuff you just said kind of gets me to a point. I feel like I'm jumping around too much. But um, I feel like this movie is a great example of that <laughs> being trying to be 100% or very close to being 100% factual doesn't always make for the best movie. No. Well, I, it's sort of like um, when I saw um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Mercury didn't find out he was HIV positive until well after the Live Aid show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, just for the dramatic tension dramatic to tell purposes. the story. Yeah, yeah it, it worked better. Yeah, and I, I think there's a... So, yeah, the thing about ignoring Lugosi's home life that he's that he doesn't swear um I'm pretty sure I try to look into it but I'm pretty sure that the Orson Welles scene does not happen in real life um that's just a movie contrivance but uh and uh, you got his first um Dolores Fuller um apparently she was very cool with all the with the cross-dressing she didn't care said she helped him pick out outfits so but that also is they said that they put that in there because they were trying to show somebody who was 
kind of, you know, not it was against his lifestyle. It was kind of like a dramatic device, but yeah. um, and especially again, in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, we're trying to make a movie here. That's a, I don't usually get too hung up on agree uh, things being like, Oh, that wasn't hundred percent factual in movies. Mm-hmm. If it makes if the movie's good, you know, if it makes the story. Yeah, better. And if it's not a total bastardization of the person's life, like um, a, a movie that, you know, it just totally fucks uh, fucks up with the person's <laughs> life is, um, are you familiar patch Adams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with Patch Adams. Uh, that <laughs> saw that yeah. in a theater. Really, he was, uh... he was very unhappy with that finished movie. He he was on set. He was promoting the movie, and then when he saw it, he was just like, "This is awful." The woman who dies in that movie was based mm-hmm. off a ma- his male best friend. <laughs> wow. They. I, yeah. I. Uh... Man, I have not thought about Patch Adams in a long time. He just brought up a lot of memories. I remember going seeing off, that theater. Going off on tangents, sorry. Being horrified by where that movie, where that turn it took, because it was so tonally all over the place. Um, not a great movie that took some liberties. This is a great movie that took some liberties, I feel exactly. like. Um, and I think a lot of credit could go to um, the screenwriters, uh, Scott Alexander and uh, Larry Karaszewski, because they also wrote a movie... Um, they just came out a couple of years ago called Dolomite is my name with Eddie Murphy. Did you hmm. see that? No, I haven't. Very similar because it's about like a scrappy crew who doesn't know what they're doing, trying to make a movie <laughs> kind of about like the joys of, uh, movie making and the, based on a real guy, I'm Rudy Ray Moore, I believe. Uh, and he, um, was like a singer who then, uh, made a movie, didn't know what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> and, they, and it's like Dolomite's like kind of an inf- inf- infamously, um, I don't know if it's even bad, but it's like a, a very famous black exploitation movie. It's very silly. I watch it. It's a very silly, weird movie. Uh, lots of weird stuff. It's like <laughs> so that's that movie is very similar. I think these guys are good at like um, just telling a really good story because this does not fall into the typical uh, traps of a lot of biographies. Um, you know, yeah. with it, it's just telling a good story. It's not into the whole rise and fall. And they kind of ignore. I mean, that's one thing. Huge thing they ignore is Edward's alcoholism. Yeah, they really do. Um, also, um, one thing that I sort of realized upon watching this again, because it had been a while since I watched it, and I, you know, when I was a teenager and I was watching this, I just loved this story. I loved the character of Ed Wood, and I still do. Ed Wood is, in this, at least as he's portrayed in this movie, is just such an optimist. I mean, if you did you ever watch the Siskel and Ebert review of this movie? You know what's so funny? I watched it last night, literally. Uh-huh. I was yep. <laughs> on YouTube yeah, and pulled and, it up, yeah. And they sing its praises, and they talk about how optimistic he is, and you can't hate him. And I agree with that, but I will say, as an adult watching this, there it did show how he could be a little selfish. Like, when Bella, very sad scene, right before Bella Lugosi is wrestling the octopus, mm-hmm. uh, he says, you know, they offered me Frankenstein, and I turned it down not sexy enough for a big name actor like me. And it's very, a very sad scene. And Ed says, Bella, I got 25 scenes. I got to shoot before sunrise. <laughs> and, you know, you sort of see, uh, oh, he's, that's a little bit of his selfish side, but you know, it's good. It, it humanizes him. Well, I think he's so laser focused on making these movies. He's so obsessive about it as they show. Yeah. Uh, of trying to get these movies made that he's just like, I got to get this done. Like, and you know, just, he doesn't have time for that kind of thing. He's so, so laser focused on making this movie, yeah. um, which he thinks is going to be great. And everyone else. Is, yeah. like, well, else and is then, and, yeah. and, and to give him credit there, um, uh, the, the next morning he's with Bella and he sort of tells Bella, Hey, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. 
it's you know a great actor like you shouldn't have to be up at four o'clock in the morning wrestling an octopus i wrote you this monologue Mm -hmm. special for you um and that sort of shows you know the more uh touching side to the character yeah actually i did think about that see i was i thought that was nice that he it's kind of a way of almost you know basically it's he's apologizing you know and he's like and Mm -hmm. i mean that just goes back to that one thing i definitely want to talk about is just how they how much i love the relationship between edward and bella lugosi in the movie with you know johnny depp and marlando playing off each other um oh yeah kind of this father-son dynamic almost or it's a, yeah it's very sweet i feel like i really i really love the two of them together it's it's fantastic yeah i mean it's just um when he gets the job to direct uh uh the what was going to be the christine jorgensen story and then he just turned it into glenn or glenda you know when bella barges into the room and he's just like eddie you've got another movie for me and you can just see this this rejuvenated excitement in Bella Lugosi, and I, and I just have to like go on. So not only Landau's performance, which is just fantastic. When I watch this movie, I like forget that it's him. Like I feel like I'm just watching Bella Lugosi. Um, a, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's and, a good point. And on top of credit to Landau for that, I have to give credit to um, Rick Baker. Oh right, because he did. Because at first I heard they were like, wait, Martin Landau doesn't look anything like Bela Lugosi, but Rick Baker oh. did all these little prosthetic touches and they put makeup on him for the black and white. And he did the he he watched a bunch of Bela Lugosi movies, got the accent down. And um, yeah. so he really like transforms into the character and he doesn't yeah. play it over the top. Um, it's funny. Um, on my DVD, I watched a documentary about the makeup effects in the movie and they make the point that Martin Landau had very thick, full lips. Mm-hmm. And Bella Lugosi's lips were much thinner. And so that was apparently a big challenge they had to get through. Yeah, they really, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of make effects people don't think about as much, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, people think of big uh, practical effects like a monster or something, but just like little changes to a person to make them become that character. And that's, yeah. um, I, somebody, I read somewhere that someone had said that they loved that he wasn't doing like an impression or he was doing like, uh, Someone with a Hungarian accent who wasn't trying to have a Hungarian accent, which is so specific to, but it's so, that's like a real thing he's hitting where it's like a very specific thing he's hitting where he watched so much Bela Lugosi and had gotten this, the, the voice down to, yeah. to be that spot on. So, like I um, said, I felt like I was just watching Bela Lugosi. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, he's so good. And I, I feel like I feel, I feel like I really love like most of the cast. I feel like they're kind of this band oh, yeah. of misfits, <laughs> but oh, I feel like I feel and that's the what most, the whole movie's about. Yeah. Yeah. The most sympathy and the most empathy for Bella Gossi. I just feel so bad for him. It's like watching like your grandfather or something who's like struggling, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh no, I, <laughs> I feel so bad. It's, you know, and I, yeah, I just love him in this. And, uh, that's the whole movie just is so good. Like at between the script and Tim Burton's work about generating like, uh, not only like sympathy, but but real like empathy for these people. This movie is so empathetic <laughs> toward everybody, and I just love the attitudes like toward everything. Like when um Bill Murray's character tells um um Johnny Depp that he's gonna go get a sex change. <laughs> Johnny Depp's just like, is he just like great, awesome? Like he's just like you know well, he's and, like and go for and it. That, and that's such a great scene because I think it goes to show like. As shitty as, and I doubt that conversation really happened, but it just goes to show, like, as shitty as these movies may have been, it spoke to someone. Because Bunny Bunny Breckenridge, I think is the character's name, the historical person's name, he says to Ed, 
I'm going to Mexico. I love Bill Murray's performance Bill in, this. Great in this. I, wish there, I do so wish there was more good. Bill Murray, but apparently too. that the part was even smaller than they got Bill Murray and they expanded it a little bit. Good. So and God yeah. bless him for that. But, <laughs> but when he says, you know, it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it wasn't until I saw your movie, I realized I have to take action. Goodbye, penis. <laughs> that final little touch is great. It's hilarious, but it's just, it's a very touching scene. It's just like, Hey, your movie that everyone is making fun of and saying it's awful, it touched someone. Right. It made him finally want to go do that. And I just love how supportive, like everything to Ed Wood's like not a big deal. It's just like, whatever. Yeah, and... It's a big deal. Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. <laughs> and it's, but it's a good thing where he's just like, and he's so supportive and so happy. He's like, yeah, go. I'm so excited you're going to Mexico with the sex change. Great. And it's like, he's, there's no judgment passed on like, it's nope. so refreshing that there's just like, no judgment passed from hardly anybody of like the main group of all these kind of misfit type people who were all outsiders, which we know we established last time you love outsiders. I love it. And that <laughs> it's so funny that you're talking about this and, and, and how Ed Wood is just not judgmental towards anyone and just so loving towards anyone. And I, I wasn't thinking about this until just now when we were just talking <laughs> about that scene. And this is going to sound insane to people. Oh, boy. But I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Ed Wood sort of reminds me of Elwood P. Dowd in a way. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, just so you know supportive what? and kind and just non-judgmental to anyone. Makes sense. Makes sense. And they might be, listen, as we said, not whole completely factual. So they might be like kind of making him more of a saint than he was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I know he had the drinking problems, but. Um, yeah. Well, and that's actually something. Bella Lugosi Jr. is not a fan of Edward the Man. I'm not okay. sure. Did you read about I that? I didn't come across that. No, I didn't see that. Oh, <laughs> he he claims uh, his claim is that Edward pretty much exploited his father. I thought that was what you were going to say. Um, yeah. I was worried about that. And see, this is the kind of thing when I was watching this movie, like I knew that some stuff I knew and some stuff I could just tell was it was not factual. It was made up. But I'm like, right. I don't really care because I'm loving the movie yep. so much. It's, and that's why I was thinking, like, there's even a scene um, that kind of represents that when Ed Wood is talking to the investors when they're shooting Plan 9 and they're bringing up all the stuff that it looks stupid. Like, oh, you saw a gravestone fall, fall over. And Ed Wood's like, uh, I don't. I'm, I'm messing with the quote exactly, but it's like no, no one, one will ever notice that. <laughs> He's basically, yeah, filmmaking's not about the little details, it's about the big picture. Is I think the, it's a paraphrase. Yeah, of, but that's yeah. A, that's about the exact quote. <laughs> so yeah, just this idea of. Um, he's got all these crazy ideas and he's not worried about that little stuff. And I think people get too stuck on criticizing the things like, you know, it's like, Oh, well that didn't happen. I'm like, but did you enjoy watching the movie? You know what I mean? It's like, did you have fun watching the movie? And yeah. afterwards you can go do whatever research you want and yep. go look up every detail, which I did. But, <laughs> but while I was watching the movie, I was in the movie and I let the movie just play out. I didn't want to sit there and just go, well, that's not true. Well, that didn't happen. But you know, <laughs> um, like I knew the Orson Welles meeting, seemed very clearly made up for the movie <laughs> but also, it's a great um, scene <laughs> so you know who plays orson well in this movie well vincent nofrio but you know who's voice uh yeah i forget <laughs> the voice actor's name but he voices the brain in pinky yep, and the brain i, had... <laughs> I forget his lore up up marsh yeah or yes. LaMarche. yeah um i'm glad i had that note i had that i was yep. like this is a great little factoid i was going through and i was because the voice sounded familiar well and the brain is clearly modeled after after Orson, uh, Wells. Orson Wells. Yeah, I, I love that because I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, this voice is not Vincent D'Onofrio, but it sounds really familiar. And then afterwards, I looked it up and I saw the name before I saw it. I was like, wait, why does the name sound familiar? And I was like, oh, it's the brain, of course. It just was this great moment of like, aha, um, which is a great scene. And I saw somebody put it so well that 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 scene is like, it's Ed Wood 
is kind of like Orson Welles, but without the talent. <laughs> so it's like he's yeah, got the kinda. drive. He's got the drive. He's got the passion. He's got like the the gumption, the you know, to make things work. But he doesn't have the talent to make a movie like Orson Welles. Yeah. Um, Matt, let me let me ask you. Um, you, you want to know how much I loved this movie as a teenager? I'm curious. Do you have a tattoo or something? What's what's happening? <laughs> no, no. My my senior quote uh, uh-huh. when I graduated high school. My senior quote was "Visions are worth fighting for." Oh, which is what Orson Welles <laughs> tells Ed Wood in the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that. It's a great scene, it, a scene that did not happen, but a wonderful scene because it's a great scene, a great movie, and that's all that matters. So, um, at least you, you didn't use "Let's shoot this fucker" as your uh, as your senior quote. <laughs> <laughs> Probably want to let that get by the press. Uh, but uh, um, I, you just reminded me of another, maybe my favorite line that I laughed out loud at because um, it's a funny movie, but I didn't really find myself laughing out loud a lot. Um, but mm-hmm. when he's on the phone, he's in front of the studio and he's trying to call up like one of the Oh yeah, Warner Brothers, and uh, you can't hear the other guy, but you hear Ed Wood. You see him mm-hmm. on the phone, and he's like, "Oh, really? Worst movie you ever saw? <laughs> well, my next one will be better." <laughs> and he's like, "Hello, yeah. hello." <laughs> Just that—that that, like boils the optimism and the attitude down to like that one bit where it's like, oh, worst you ever saw? Well, my next one will be better. He's just going to keep trying. Like, he's just going to keep keep doing it. Won't be deterred by anything. Um, it's just fantastic. I feel like we're yeah. both like bouncing off the chairs right now talking about this movie. But it's, I know. It's um, so great. Um, uh, what else? Um, I think uh, she doesn't have uh, much screen time, but I really like Patricia Arquette in this movie. Yes. Another great, uh, you know, supporting performance. She comes in. She's so sweet and likable, basically right off the bat. Um, I love when the scene when they're in like on the haunted ride and uh, he tells her that he likes to wear women's clothing and she's just like, again, like no judgment, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Which um, you know, goes mm-hmm. to show, you know, he found his match. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, the movie is very refreshing. Honestly, I don't know. Like, oh, I it's such, so this is yet much, another great feel good movie. So much negativity in the past, like, I don't know, past year, four years. It's been a while. But you watch something like this, and it's just so damn refreshing because it's so optimistic. It's so empathetic to its characters. It's so, like, relentlessly yeah. positive. Well, um, and so on the topic of being relentlessly positive, here's something I think is so funny. I really love uh, the ending. Um, first of all, you know, when they're screening Plan 9 from Outer Space, and Ed says, this is the one. This is the one I'm going to be remembered for. And what's funny is I remember when I showed my dad this movie, when he says, this is the one I'm going to be remembered for. My dad was like, yep. Um, <laughs> but what's so great is, um, but I just love, I love, love, love when they leave the theater and they're about to get in the car while it's raining. And he's like, hey, let's get married. He's mm-hmm. like, Eddie, what are you talking about? Let's drive to Las Vegas and let's get married tonight. Let's do it. She's like, but it's raining. He's like, phooey, it'll probably stop before we get to the desert. Hell, it'll probably stop before we turn around the corner. And it's just this very romantic, classic 50s, 60s Hollywood ending, you know? And then the camera pans up and you get the biography that's like, that brings you back to reality. Right. It's like Ed, Ed Wood died a penniless alcoholic who made zombie nudie films. <laughs> it's just like, oh, damn. Yeah. Reality yeah. sets in. I thought that was interesting because it's basically am I am I did they mention his alcoholism like throughout the entire movie or am I? Yeah, I don't I don't think they did. I think I read there was a deleted scene where someone finds him with a bottle next to him like passed out. But uh, that's about it. I don't even think they 
say at all like hey you need to stop drinking so much or something right and that's just i think clearly not the movie tim burton wanted to make because i think he loves ed wood so much i don't think he wanted to really show him in a bad light which i mean you could take that for however anybody could take you know is that good or bad um but uh, you know i mean it's fine it's a movie he was trying to make and he he made a great movie so i don't think he wants to uh really show that dark side but yeah it's pretty dark when you get into the 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 late years of history yeah i mean he was directing like paint like hardcore porn and yeah. yeah had no money and yeah was uh you know died at like age 50 something like 59 or something i think like heart failure for the drinking so it's really sad so i'm kind of glad the movie kind of just kind of stays away from that um i don't need that because that's like the part in the biography where usually like the character has a fall from grace or something you know i, I don't really want to see the fall from grace especially of this in this movie of this character so yeah i'm good on that <laughs> so yeah. um, um i think another scene that like really pushes uh just how optimistic Ed is is when they're all when they're all getting baptized so they'll oh get the God. Baptist church to fund the movie <laughs> and Bunny like swims up he's just like how do you get your friends to all get baptized just so you can make a monster movie he's like it's not a monster movie it's a supernatural thriller <laughs> one of my favorite parts because I love I wrote that Bill Murray line down about like how you convince everybody to get baptized for you just because it shows like how much well I mean he was nice to them and you know and they're 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 showing it back to him by doing this for him like they're all they're all in on his crazy ideas and yep. they're all like it's a tight-knit like family basically of like these like outcasts yeah um well, you know what's you know what's weird to me is like uh vampira i get why she joins the joins the troop because you know she loses her job and all that mm-hmm. i'm like I wonder why Criswell like sort of joined in on his crew because he was a pretty well established celebrity. I thought. Yeah, I don't think they got into that. I don't know. Maybe he just thought it'd be fun. I don't know. Oh, Um, oh, and and Matt, you know, I love this scene when they're all having dinner and they're like, "Okay, so a whiskey for Ed, uh, a rum and coke for you." And he looks to Bella. He's like, "Bella, would you like some wine?" He's like, "No, I never drink wine." (laughs) You know, I love that scene. I know. I know you must. (laughs) <laughs> like a silent cheer when that when that part happens. Um, it's just it's so I'll, the Bella Ghost thing reminds me. It's like it's very sad for him in real life that he was. It sucks that if he had been later, if you know, if he was uh, thirty years later, then he would have been like a beloved icon of these horror conventions. Oh, but yeah. he died too yeah. soon. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was famous too soon for horror because I just kept thinking, like, my God, if he had just you know. If he'd been huge in like the seventies, eighties, then he'd be like he'd be like a god at these conventions, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. Well, and to me, I mean, one thing that's just really uplifting is uh, you know, the ending there where it plays um you know, everyone's sort of like highlight reel at the end. And for Bella Lugosi, it says to this day his uh film memorabilia outsells Boris Karloff's by a substantial margin. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. Well, didn't they didn't they beef up the the feud between them? Wasn't that that feud kind yeah. of like not that intense, or he didn't hate him that much? Yeah, that movie? was yeah. That's the whole thing. It was more like a friendly rivalry in real right. life. But right. um, now Stallone and Schwarzenegger they really hated each other in the eighties, apparently. Oh well, see now they're best friends. So yeah, exactly. But I <laughs> love um, friends, but, yeah. but you know I do love that scene um, where the guy's like. Mr. Lugosi, can I have your autograph? You know what film of yours I love? The Invisible oh, Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. He's just like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I love. Yes, I love that part. Um, I think, I don't know. I think my favorite scene 
honestly, where I just thought this just captures the movie for me is when they're all um, driving to, and I can't remember if it's Plan 9 or it's um, Bride of the Atom. Why am I blanking on the name? They, uh, he's got, it was originally Bride of the Atom, but the studio changed it to Bride of the Monster. Right. So it's like Johnny Depp driving, Patricia Arquette, Bela Lugosi, um, Vampira, uh, a couple of, like the six of them crammed into this car, driving to the premiere, and then like a riot breaks out, and then they have to leave. <laughs> Um, yeah. that whole part I was just like oh man I love this movie um, and I have to ask you while I'm thinking about it so is you know it's funny because your top five you had Edward Scissorhands your favorite Tim Burton movie is this your second favorite Tim Burton movie yeah this is my second one and upon rewatching it after all these years it might move like up 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 and like <laughs> I mean it's really close behind like do we Edward need to redo your top five now? <laughs> no well, probably not my top five because I mean Edward Scissorhands is still just such quintessential Tim Burton, and I love it. But yeah. this is so oh, just also this is not like most Tim Burton movies. Yeah, I was thinking I was I was gonna say the same thing actually because I was thinking that this doesn't feel like any of his movies to me. Honestly, I can't. It's really the one scene yeah. where you get his real gothic style is when they go into the horror house. Right. You right. See that snake like <laughs> come at them, and that looks like the Beetlejuice snake. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think I read something that Tim Burton, like, in like he, he didn't want to do his normal style. He was trying to do it more like Ed Wood. It was very like fast paced, and he wasn't like fussing too much over setups and lighting and things like that. Um, he was trying to do it more like he thought he was having fun. The lighting and cinematography is gorgeous. I know. That's why I was like, he wasn't trying. What I was like, uh, I think he was trying a bit. That might have been overblown, but um. It, it does feel different in his movies. And, but uh, if you watch the behind the scenes thing, I, I was like a 15 minute behind the scenes thing on the Blu-ray and uh, he looks so like giddy. Every time I show him directly, yeah, yeah, he looks I think, so happy. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember that from watching the documentaries on, uh, on my DVD of it. Um, and really, I think um, it's so funny when I was watching the documentary, I was thinking it's got, it, it sort of has to be confusing to make a movie in which people are making a movie because you got to think of it like this. Tim Burton yells action and then Johnny Depp yells action and then Johnny Depp yells cut and then Tim Burton yells cut. <laughs> I was like, thinking that I was like, and they were trying to shoot a scene of um, the fake film crew shooting a scene. So I was thinking, is it yeah. confusing? <laughs> it's like, you know, you've got overlapping uh, film crews, but um yeah, I thought that was funny. That scene you talking about was in the, the behind the scenes where, you know, Johnny Depp's yelling cut, and then um, <laughs> you got Tim Burton yelling cut. But um, but no, it's, yeah, I mean, he still had a lot of fun with it. And apparently I read this is Tim Burton's favorite movie of his, which doesn't really surprise me at all. <laughs> so... me, not, not even slightly. Um, got a, uh, really, uh, I do have to say, uh, you mentioned it before, but, um, you know, my, my favorite scene of this movie is when he meets Orson Welles. And I mean, I, my high school year, my high school year, but my senior quote was from that scene. So right. that <laughs> is the scene that really resonates with me. I, I understand. Yeah, that's a great scene. And I'm sitting here, like, I feel like it's so many scenes I could say, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. I, I just, it's, uh, it's so good. I was just watching it thinking this movie is so much better than I even remembered it being. I thought it was good. But it's just one great scene after another, um, just because, I don't know, it's, I mean, everybody's all, it's funny because it's all about Ed Wood having this crew that seemed like they were pretty dedicated to him. And I feel like this mm -hmm. cast seems pretty dedicated to Tim Burton. Like, they're all all in on doing this. and uh, On doing this niche film that no one's going <laughs> to see. 
um yeah which, i mean it's, which is a shame because siskel uh when he was reviewing the movie he was talking about how just it is he said it's one of the, the one of the year's very best and he said that uh he thinks it should be required viewing in every film school in america and i agree it's all that yeah i agree because it uh It'd be a good optimistic message for <laughs> for film students to be like, never give up. Obviously, obviously you know, things are very different. Um, yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. It's like it's so much easier to make a movie. To I mean, it's still hard to make a movie. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, and you learned that when you went to film school and you got that reality check. But I mean, back then, like you can make a movie anywhere today. Right. I mean, it's even easier than 15 years ago. Like, and it's way easier than 50, 60 years ago. I mean, it's. And it's so much easier to get it out now with the internet. Right, right. I mean, Steven Soderbergh just shot a whole movie on iPhone like two years ago. I mean, you can do, you know, you could do whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. So, I mean, that spirit, though, like, you you still have to be committed to to doing it. Like, you have to have that never give up, like, take no, take you know, not take no for an answer type type um, thing. Because you're going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face. It's insanely competitive. But you have more options to self-produce self-release i mean there's there's these um fan films that i i'm just at the top of my head i'm thinking about things that are really well done that are like self-produced did you ever watch the friday the 13th like fan films like never hike alone have you heard about these no i didn't they're really good they're really really good and i don't know what the budgets were i'm sure it wasn't a lot but these people just made these friday the 13th fan films and put them on youtube and they put out their own like dvds and blu-rays but um it's stuff like that. It's like you can just go do it. You know, it's like yeah. raise the money. I think you, I think you do on Kickstarter. Ed Wood would be all over Kickstarter if that was. An oh, option. yeah. <laughs> because, oh, I love those scenes yeah. of him trying to raise money for the movies. Yeah. And like he's he's talking about it's going to be a great, uh, thrilling monster film. And the woman is, and the one woman is just like, oh, I don't like monster movies. I like the ones with, with romance. He's like, well, that's what this is. It's a heartbreaking <laughs> romance. Watching him trying to be a salesman to pitch all those people, it, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. So, yeah, Ed Wood would be all about some Kickstarter these days. He would be, <laughs> be raising that money. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's so, that, that whole, the idea of just, like, if you want to make a movie, <laughs> it's tough, too, because it's a it's an art form that um, does, it requires more than just yourself almost all the time. You know, like, if you want to yeah. paint, you can do that by yourself. You want to write, you can do that by yourself. Um, if you want to make a movie, you got to get people you gotta get to lead people. Yeah, you've got to lead people. You've got to get a whole crew together. Um, yeah. Well, um, so. did you ever see, there was this guy, I forget what his name was, um, but he did a cosplay as the Joker, and he, I mean, he looked like the killing joke, 100%. Oh. Did you ever see this guy? I don't think so, no. No, well, he was talking about how he, he is a filmmaker, and he makes movies, and he says what he loves about filmmaking as an art form is it incorporates all forms of art. There's writing, there's painting, there's acting, there's, you know, lighting. Every, like, art form is brought together in film. And yeah. for that reason, yeah. you need a big crew of people. Unless you're Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, uh, it's it's funny you mentioned, I've, I've thought about, I've argued this before with people, where they they look down on movies as an art form, but I love it because I feel like it combines so many art forms into one thing it's mm -hmm. it's yeah. so much in one it's it's um, i think it's amazing i like i love i think in that that siskel Eber review it ends with siskel talking about a guy who would, who would applaud after yep. every single movie because he knew how hard it was to get a movie made and <laughs> that is like I, I feel like the older i get the more i appreciate like it's harder for me to shit on movies the older i get because 
Yeah. Uh, I'm less cynical, yeah. and I just keep thinking it's so hard to get a movie made. It's like a minor miracle if you finish mm-hmm. the movie from like, start to finish, you get it out there. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just that idea of like, yeah, it's just an accomplishment to finish a movie. <laughs> if it's bad, whatever, but you did it. Like, it's a major accomplishment. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, even uh, I did my little um, short film when I was at that New York Film Academy like, summer camp thing, and it really it was just me. I had the camera. Uh, we didn't have sound. That was the other thing I ever to mention. <laughs> that was oh, no, I you mentioned there. that. I, okay, I couldn't remember how I mentioned that because I came there with this whole script, and they were like, "Oh no, no, you won't have sound." And I was like, "Well, that kind of changes things." But it's literally just like me running around with like I had three actors and like with my little camera they gave me, and I'm just trying to grab these shots and uh, you know. But it's just to finish it felt like I wasn't even super. I wasn't totally happy with it, but I was like, "Well, I finished it. That's an accomplishment. I made something out of it because I yeah." When I, when I shot it, I wasn't sure what I had anything, but yeah, it just, you know, I don't know. It's, um, well, um, yeah. and it sort of to give my own example there, I was, um, you know, back when I was making my YouTube videos and I was doing my comedy sketches, um, which I'm still, you know, not going to tell the name of publicly because I don't <laughs> want anybody to see it. I, I sent it to you. Um, but, um, no, I would, I did one comedy sketch where, um, you know, I was making these stupid inventions and like, I had like solar powered night vision goggles and the lightning powered cell phone. And, and it ends with me like with like a pair of like big cardboard wings anyways. But there was a scene that I shot there where, you know, my two friends are like seeing me about to jump off the roof with these wings on. And my friend, as I'm editing this, as I'm, you know, putting these scenes together, my buddy, um, I realized at one point was wearing his jacket and then I guess while we were filming, he was getting hot. He took it off and I continued filming the scene without <laughs> his jacket on. And as I'm editing it, I'm like, oh, damn it. Luckily, I had my other friend with me. And I said, okay, how can I like edit around this? How can I? So while I had him with me, we went and we filmed one more scene. And we sort of replaced half of that scene with this little thing that I shot. And... Mm-hmm. um and yeah, it's just like it, it was just that attitude of just like, OK, I got to get this done and get this put out. Yeah. And I, I think that's the point I was getting to. When I was kind of rambling about the whole thing. But but it's like you you just it filmmaking is all about, I feel like. And I heard someone say this recently uh, about solving problems. And they said, like, I can't remember who it was. It's an actor who worked with Martin Scorsese. And they said they've never seen a director who was better at solving problems so quickly as Martin Scorsese. Because that's kind of what filmmaking is when you get down to like if you want to really like say it in a crude kind of simple way it's like the director just solves problems all day and then it's like when some, something happens in a movie and you think oh that was a mistake you don't know what they went through to even get that because it might have been like a yeah. struggle to get a certain shot it's like we did the best we could and i love how ed wood is like everything's just perfect he's like i'm just having yeah, no a movie. second takes no second takes uh and i like they um yeah. uh, tour johnson goes perfect. through the door hmm? it, yeah just the cut credit that was perfect yeah. <laughs> Like with him, he, he he doesn't even see the problems. That's the funny thing. It's like you didn't see the gravestone fall over. It's like no one's gonna notice that. Uh, it's like you know he doesn't you, see that you were his problems. Uh, fixed. You were mentioning Tor Johnson and oh Tor Johnson going through the door, and I love that part when it's like he he bumped into it, and then when Ed Wood's head, it's like well he's a big guy, he'd probably struggle with that. It's yeah, but the like, wall wouldn't shake. Right. <laughs> um, uh, let me ask you: Have you uh, did you ever see American movie the Mark Borchardt thing? Yeah, it's so funny. I, I'm surprised you've seen this because this movie is insanely hard to see. Apparently, it doesn't have a current like I think the DVD set of print. It was never streaming. But I saw recently it is streaming again. I really yeah. want to see this movie because I heard it's all about like these guys trying to make a low budget 
horror movie and about the things yeah. they go through to get it done. So I saw it years ago, years ago. <laughs> um, but there's a great line, and I'm not the only one who loves this line because uh, one. I mean, I say his name so many times. James Rolfe. He he talks about how great this line is. But there's a line where Mark Borchardt says, and I'm going to butcher it, but he says something along the lines of, "There's no excuses in filmmaking." There's, I've never been to a movie theater and seen a blank screen that says, we didn't have enough money to shoot this scene, so just imagine it in your head. <laughs> right, I've gone right. to the movies countless times, and I've never seen it. And I'm like, man, that's a really great way to put it. It's like, yeah, there's no excuses. You're going to, you got to get this thing shot somehow. Yeah, no, I love that. That's kind of like, yeah, when I was trying to do my thing at that camp, it was like, they took away so many things I thought I would have, so I just had to like improvise so it's like but i didn't i was like i can't make excuses i just gotta do something that that replaces mm -hmm. all these other things i thought i was gonna have like sound and more actors and you know it's like you just gotta just do it in some way it's that's kind of the beauty of the whole thing so could you imagine uh, going to a movie theater and you actually see it on screen and say hey we didn't have the budget to film this scene so just imagine it uh that would be really something. I would probably think they were playing as a joke. I don't know. But, um, no, yeah, I mean, like something that would be in like Wayne's world or something. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, this all kind of makes me just think about another reason I love Ed Wood is just because it makes me just appreciate movie making more and like realize how much I love the whole idea of movies being made. I just love the process. I love, you know, all that stuff. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. I don't know. Um, I don't, you know, we didn't talk about Johnny Depp very much at all. As no, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was <laughs> literally just thinking about that. He's fantastic. Yeah, and I don't know how you normally feel about Johnny Depp. Uh, I feel like I go up and down on the guy because I feel like, I mean, he does stuff that's all over the place anyway, but this is probably my favorite performance of his. I, I would agree. This is probably my favorite Depp performance. He didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I think he should have at least that's been nominated. Kind of crazy. I don't know what the field was like for the actors in 94, but... Um, I was thinking that because I knew that he didn't get nominated, but I'm like, who the hell got nominated if he didn't get nominated? Because yeah. he's as good to me, as good as Landau is. And um, mm -hmm. they, my dad, yeah. my dad said the same thing that Depp should have been nominated. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's, I love the voice that he got for Ed Wood. And <laughs> I haven't seen Glenn or Glenda or seen much footage of Ed Wood acting. So mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate the voice is, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, I just love, I mean, to me, it's like, it's, it's beyond like if he does like the mannerisms and the voice, but it's like he just exudes this uh, positivity and this yep. like this energy through it. the whole thing um, that I love. And uh, I just love those shots near the end when it's like this is a very like this is uh, Tim Burton's like he didn't try that hard. I'm like, he definitely tried on this one because it's a shot of like Tim Burton's face or not uh, Ed Wood's face, Johnny Depp's face. Yep. And he's got like things are swirling around him and he just looks so like happy and like he's in this like crazy ecstatic ecstasy, ecstasy of, well, yeah. did you see the uh the behind the scenes where they were filming that scene i don't think i saw that part oh yeah uh tim burton is just like directing to johnny he's just like okay look to your left look to your left okay <laughs> now shake your head just like thinking to yourself like oh this is amazing <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. And you can see so much emotion just so much pride in what he's doing on his face yeah i mean it's it's good and, and there's a he doesn't he's very like happy and uh, energetic most of the time there's in such a brief thing when he gets the phone call that Bella Lugosi died, it's so quick, but I feel like Johnny Depp does a lot in like this look where you yeah. can tell he's shocked and crushed. Oh yeah. Immediately. But it's like, you don't see it very long, but I'm like, wow, that is, that is good to do that. Like a three second shot or something. He's, he shows like all this stuff. Um, 
yeah, no, it's because re- yeah, he's really good. Sometimes he gets too quirky for me, but I feel like this is like a perfect, a perfect performance. It's just fantastic. Um, um, was he something else about him really quick? And I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, no, I just uh, will not wait 15 years to watch this movie again. That's for sure because I really, good really on, loved yeah. it. Um, oh, and the one last thing I want to do before we wrap up is ask: So, what Ed Wood movies have you seen? Because I've only seen one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've only seen one. I've only seen Plan Nine yeah, from, outer from Outer Space. space. Which, um, and I watched it before I watched Ed Wood this week, <laughs> and I probably should have watched it after, although there was stuff when they oh were making it God. that I was like, oh, yeah, that part. But I, I want to like it more. I don't think it's very fun. Like, I appreciate it kind of, but I... I have more fun with it than you do. Yeah, I think we talked about it. You sound like you like it more than I do. I, I it's, it's very dull. It's to me, it's like... It's boring it's, for you. Yeah, it's very clunky. Obviously, it's clunky. And I've always and I've always said like the difference between a movie that's just really bad and a movie that's so bad it's good is it can't be boring, right? Which I just there's so much in that movie. Yeah, but I mean, there's I don't know. It's it sh- I should like it more. I think, but um, well, we were I, we were talking about. Um, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say something? No, I know. I was gonna say. I just I don't know. I can't I can't get into playing out matter space. So. Well, I know a couple things that made you laugh. Um, we we talked about this the other day. Just something that just. Uh, Criswell's uh, monologue that he's given at the oh. beginning, like it's redundant and it makes no sense. He's like, he's just like, and remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. In the future, <laughs> it's like okay, you didn't have to say, you used the word future twice there. Um, it did make me laugh. And then the um, idea that uh, the fate of all humankind came down to these two guys having like a wimpy fist fight in a uh, in a space. Your stupid minds, yeah. stupid, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid <laughs> and um oh my god and just the fact that uh and this was one thing that uh edward the movie did get historically accurate is he got his his girlfriend's chiropractor to oh, yeah. fill in lugosi's <laughs> role in plan nine from outer space and he's just covers his face and he tries to pass that off as if and you get this cut because you got the real bella lugosi wearing wearing his cape in a graveyard in the morning and then it cuts to the fake Bell Lugosi covering his face in a fake cemetery at night. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, you're really trying to pass that off. Right. It's it's wild. Yeah, no, I and that's it. Make it listen. Taking a problem, finding a solution. Bell Lugosi died. Exactly. I've got to find someone that sort of looks like him, uh, but not really. And then put him in the movie. Um, oh, and I love in Ed Wood when he's just like, my God, it's uncanny when the guy doesn't look like him at all. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's a creativity there. I mean, of uh, but it just doesn't come through as like a good or exciting movie to me. But exactly. um, and, I would um, rather watch something like Play Night Matter Space, though, than some like soulless, boring drama that's technically better made, honestly, though, because at least there's like you're like, why were these choices made? What's going on? <laughs> you know, well, that- I don't I'll yeah. give an example. You, you've heard me complain about a movie that I, I really just don't care for at all. Do you remember which one? Uh, I don't actually. What uh, a little say. movie called Dan in Real Life? <laughs> God, that movie bored the hell out of me. It's all I can think of is him with his head on those pancakes. Is like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just I saw this movie when I was like a teenager, and I'm like, God, this is boring. This isn't funny. This this is just awful. <laughs> and of course, it's obviously more competently made than Planet right. Mars Space, but my God, uh, real random pull I just made there, but <laughs> it's know. okay. Um, I know how how you uh, hate Dan in real life. 
I hope no one listening oh. loves Danny in real life. If someone they're does like, love that, that movie, bastard, you son of a bitch. Tell us. Yeah, they're never going to listen again once you've insulted Danny in real life. Uh, if I'm curious, well, if we don't does, need their patronage. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> it's, a, it's a free podcast. It's fine. Uh, no, no. I, uh, I've never seen the movie, so I have no comment on Danny in real life. I just, I didn't even know what he's even about. I honestly have no idea. I just know Steve Carell's in it. And that family guy joke about like, oh, he's laying in pancakes, which is not something one would normally do. <laughs> right, right. That's all I know about Dana real life. Um, also, you were just talking about like problem solving. And um, another scene from Edward I want to mention is when Tor Johnson is like doing his speaking roles in Plan 9 and the producers are talking to Ed. They're like, why would you give the lines to him? He's unintelligible. And he just says, look, Lugosi's dead and vampire won't talk. I had to give the dialogue to someone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it, that was great. Um, man. Uh, so, yeah, we clearly both really, really love Ed Wood. <laughs> um, and I I can't say it's my favorite Tim Burton just because those two Batman movies exist. And I love those so much. But yeah. I think as time goes on and I watch this more, I think it probably would be my favorite. Um, yeah, I will say I may like Edward Scissorhands more, but I do like Ed Wood better than than uh, his two Batman movies. Oh, Interesting. Okay. I don't know. Mine, I'm very nostalgic and sentimental, and I feel like I just have too much connection to those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, I think as time goes on, I think Ed Wood could jump to the top of my Tim Burton favorites. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so good. I, I, I'll, I'll say yeah. this. While Edward Scissorhands is my personal favorite Ed Wood movie, I do think this is probably objectively his best made film. It does. I mean, yeah, and it feels different, like we said, from his other stuff. And uh, I don't know. I mean... It's not as technically, uh, you know, uh, proficient it's, or other way. Like, it's, it's not, not as artistically extravagant. Right. But I think the fact that he's so passionate about the subject matter. And like I said, he said it's very, his favorite movie, which makes sense because um, he loves Ed Wood. So, he, you know, it's like he clearly loves this man and made this movie is like a love letter to him. And um, uh, you could feel it all come through in the movie. So, I, you know, it's... Um, I don't know. It's it's just uh, it's it's in the middle of that run too um, of Tim Burton movies. And I'm lucky he didn't. His great run. I'm glad he didn't like kill him. But I guess it, I guess one one kind of flop in the middle of uh, you know after all the the hits he made, I guess doesn't kill you thankfully. But um, it happens to some people. They get put in director jail and they don't get out. But um, yeah, comes out Mars Attacks, which is a movie I don't think I liked that much. But... I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Mars Attacks? I think you would like it. I need to watch it again. It's been a very long time since I've seen Mars Attacks. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. But um, does it have any of Tim Burton's like regular actors in it? I think so. It's got a huge cast. That's a crazy, <laughs> like stacked cast. I know. Top to bottom. I mean, I obviously know Aliens Invade the Earth, but aside from that, I really don't know much about Mars Attacks. It's very silly. Um, it's uh, it. I don't. I don't know. I think it was a hit. I can't remember. Um. Uh, it's got a crazy cast from like top to bottom. You have to go look it up because it's just like, it's like he got this all star cast together for this silly like spoof of fifties alien movies. <laughs> and yeah. um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But um, no, I yeah, I, I will just say, Edward is moving up the the ranks, and will probably be after a few more years, will probably be my favorite Tim Burton movie. <laughs> so oh, well, that's um, good to hear. It's it's excellent. I can't sing this movie's praises enough. And I'm yeah. really glad. I'm really glad to hear that upon rewatching it, you just fell so in love with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. It gave me a good excuse to rewatch it because I think I thought about it a couple of times in the past couple of years. Like, I should, re- I should watch Ed Wood. Um, this was a good kick to finally do it. So I'm really glad we landed on this one kind of randomly. <laughs> this is this is the magic of this podcast. I'm like, oh, cool. We'll just pick a movie and then I'll uh, make you know have a chance to rewatch it and then I'll fall in love with it again. So, um, yeah, if you haven't rewatched Ed Wood in a long time or you've never seen Ed Wood, I would say go watch it because it's it's fantastic, <laughs> as we've established, as you've heard us gush about it for like an hour or so. Um uh, Ken, before I wrap up, anything else on on Ed Wood or? No, I mean, go watch it. It's fantastic. And <laughs> yeah, watch watch some of Ed Wood's movies. It's um. Oh, actually, that's one little thing I do want to say. Apparently, Johnny Depp, when he was being interviewed about this movie, he like went on record saying that he thinks like Ed Wood probably wasn't as bad as people made him out to be. Like he he said because he did he pioneered some things like um. He did like naturalistic lighting before the French movement in film. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and that's it's not like that was an artistic direction. He just didn't have money for actual lighting. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but Johnny Depp was just going on record that he sort of did these things. Well, and like with Glenn or Glenda with all the weird imagery that he has in that movie, Johnny Depp said, you know, he did that well before David Lynch did, and David Lynch got <laughs> applauded for it. I'm like, oh well, that's interesting. Listen, the line between crazy person and genius is very thin and uh, i don't actually i i don't we won't this too long but i i don't think he's the worst director or that movie is the worst movie of all time i think there's worse oh no, no. Uh, i have i have i have i have a 50 pack of like one of those like 50 packs of like um uh public domain uh-huh. 50s and 60s horror films there are way worse movies on that pack than playing nine from outer space I, I was just thinking of how we watched the movie called love on a leash which i think <laughs> truly might be the worst thing i've ever seen in my life. troll 2 i don't know troll tools tro- nothing is on love on a leash is like technically uh horrible like <laughs> it's, it's sound is missing uh it's insane um i don't know that uh I, yeah there, <laughs> plus i was gonna say it's like even though i thought plan i was kind of boring there's enough interesting stuff where it's like it's not forgettable it's it's yeah. memorable you know so um yeah i don't i'd push against that but that was a long time ago they hadn't seen how they had bad things could be so yeah. but uh, um, like i was saying um watch edward and i mean yeah watch watch some edward movies I do kind of want to watch Glenn or Glenda now. I'm kind of curious about that one. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to have a chance to watch it before we did this, but I didn't have a chance. But um, yeah, that that would probably be the next one I watch. That and well, the three that are featured in the movie: right. Glenn or Glenda, Bride of the Monster, and Plan Nine. I've seen Plan Nine. I should watch the other two. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, anything else? Nope. That's that's pretty much it. Okay, well, I guess that is that's all we have on Ed Wood. This was a lot of fun. I'm really really glad we did this. Um, Ken, do you have anything you want to plug? Have you got uh, on Twitter yet? Uh, nope. Damn it. One day. <laughs> yep. But then you're gonna, there's going to be some huge fight about a movie, and then you'll be like, eh, maybe he shouldn't be here. <laughs> he's too he's too pure for this world. Um, <laughs> um, well, anyway, okay. If you don't have anything, then I will just plug the usual stuff. Um, uh, yeah, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're everywhere podcasts are at this point i'm pretty sure um if you uh want to rate or review us in the uh, apple store i'd really appreciate that it really helps the show um and uh, you can follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod um you can follow me on twitter at mattbled87 and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at just film feast all one word um so yeah that's all we got this week guys and we will talk to you next week ken thanks again buddy hey no problem thanks for thanks for chatting about this with me all right see you guys later